I got it. When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze. One, two, three, four. I built a labyrinth. Can you believe it? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out. Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The twist. Many of the participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. Minute 22, Annie is overwhelmed, but Harry wants an interview. To tackle Minute 22, we have Sean German and Dave Ballas from Groundhog Minute, along with James Costa of Whole Wheat Costa. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room. You're like, what the? There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. This doesn't make any sense. Is that a problem? Is it a problem? It's like a fucking cocktail party in here. If I get a few words from you before you go. And welcome back to Dave Made a Ma- Dave Made a Maze Minute. <laughs> that's that's I guess what we're gonna go with. Or yeah. or the the Minute Or podcast, whatever, the Robert Black Mystery Maze Project. There's no continuity to the intros or outros. So, oh, uh, I, I don't know who you were just listening to and who you're going to listen to after us. Yeah. But I hope you have fun. I really do. I think this whole the whole theme is mystery. <laughs> yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I'm good with it. And I'm good with that. Uh, my whole life, people thought I was a mystery. Boy, girl, alien, dog. No one ever knew. <laughs> Quite the enigma. Uh, so, yeah, we have, we have Sean and Jay back here i'm dave hi welcome back listeners so we're gonna we're gonna walk you through uh minute 22 here so we start off spooky cardboard eyes i'm just gonna say that right out front Mm -hmm. uh our 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 hobo chilling with some coffee uh we got harry's camera crew setting up and annie is creeped out by the 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 alive origami (laughs) she has yeah so the the maze is kind of coming alive itself yeah. and we, we we talked about it a little bit earlier in a previous minute i'm sure other folks maybe have talked about how the the maze is uh is a character unto itself as much as these people are and and also we we previously talked about the you know kind of the, the found footage genre and how we were glad like they weren't doing that that this for the most part was a um you know a, a traditionally filmed film but we do get a little bit of the view through the documentary crew, um, what they're seeing, what they're recording as well, a little bit later. Um, but I, I get ahead of myself because I really want to start off. You, you mentioned, uh, Dave, the 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 maze eyes yeah, it's at a, the very beginning of this minute. I, I believe it's Olmec's brother, Tom. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah, yeah, it was, well, it was creepy. So, yeah, it made me think of uh, the Gnome King. From Return to Oz, and there's 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 some scenes, there's some animated scenes in that film. Uh, well, shout out to uh, Return to Oz minute, Is that but there's the Michael Jackson one. No, <laughs> oh no, no not... that's the Wiz. That's the yeah, Wiz. that's the Wiz. No, not the Wiz. <laughs> um, the I'm I'm talking about Return to Oz with uh, Fruza Balk playing uh, Dorothy Gale as sort of a somehow she's younger than. The Dorothy in the original Wizard of Oz, but yet it's a sequel. But uh, we can't explain all that. But uh, <laughs> in 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 that film, there's um, a gnome king who's kind of 
I guess made out of at some point he looks like he's a person, but at other points he's like made out of rock. He's kind of part of this mountain. Hmm. And there's 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 animated sequences where it looks very similar to to the cardboard. Um, you know, rock versus paper. Um, I guess we just need scissors to complete the, the triad there. But yeah, so this definitely reminded me of some of the animated sequences of the Gnome King uh, from Return to Oz. And I thought that was interesting because in that film, the Gnome King is played by Nicole Williamson, who, in addition to Return to Oz, may be best known to our listeners as Merlin in the 1981 film Excalibur. Um, interestingly, though, also in 1981, he was in Nickel Williamson was in Venom with Michael Goff, who played Alfred Pennyworth in Batman and, and Batman Returns, uh, the uh, th- those Batman films. But Nickel Williamson was also in the Will Be Conspiracy with Michael Caine, who who would later play Alfred in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I so you can love... see this is all connected I knew to it. Batman. I, I, as soon as you started, I knew it. You're like, get, <laughs> now John and Niall, they're like really excited all of a sudden. Yes. I want to come over to your house. I want to see the map with the string doing all this because, <laughs> because Dave, I, I've known Dave 15, 16 years probably, and, and he knows how much I love B actors, C actors. And you're pulling this shit out, out, of, your, out of your ass, and I'm like, Oh my god! Like, <laughs> like even I'm impressed. Uh, you know, uh, so, so here's my uh, non-auditory uh, clap to you. You know. Oh, okay. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, so this this maze it's all connected to to Batman in several degrees by way of Return to Oz. So yeah, so we we see now the personification. If if we felt metaphorically, the maze was a character. That just literally puts a face on it there. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a living, <laughs> living uh, character with weird eyes. So yeah, and and speaking of weird eyes, we then flash back to the apartment world. <laughs> <laughs> this is, every, every scene with the hobo is great. Yeah. Now is this, is this a, it, does he have is this like one of the coffee cups from? Uh, Greg and Bryn. No, this is not one of theirs. They had there. Those are those those cafe ones where it's like super wide. Mm-hmm. That's a more respectable. It's in your kitchen drawer coffee okay. mug. So this is like a human mug that someone actually has in their kitchen. Yeah. So like this is and actually I kind of think it's respectable. Like I thought he was going to like just make a mess, but no. He. I mean, I was actually waiting for him to shower, but he's really just kind of sitting there, just yeah. sipping coffee. And- he's not like yeah. He's he's not selling off the furniture he's not having like friends over a big hobo party he's a pretty good house sitter yeah he's just kind of keeping things in control he he wants to shower but he wants to have his morning coffee you know yeah. or his afternoon yeah. coffee or whatever then take a shower you know and then uh the the newman uh the newman neighbor comes in the door I, I, and and i want <laughs> yeah. i want to mention that i don't know if we got a good chance earlier in the film maybe they weren't there but look at how many origami birds there are on the floor of the uh, yes. of the apartment. Yeah, going back to, you know, the minutes we had uh, 12 and 15, we were looking at the people, their heads. I have we didn't really see the floor. So is this you know, is this part of the maze cuz it's paper related? Yeah. And it's kind of in- infesting or yeah, we don't know quite where all that came at. Yeah, we see all the the origami. And Look. we also see that the the enter sign, the, enter the light has changed from green to red. I mean, it's purple, but it's uh yeah a reddish type color. 
Um, and also, I don't know, the, the samurai swords. That feels like the, that's like the classic. I bought them on eBay because I thought they were cool, and now they sit on my nightstand collecting dust. That's definitely one of those things where, like, like the box arrives, and you're like, what? What did I order this? What? And then you open it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that night, you know, we opened that <laughs> bottle of scotch, and yeah, there's three empty bottles of pop off on, on the corner, <laughs> right? Yeah, and there's only two of you. You're like, oh no, yeah, this is something that you because it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the decor. There's we don't see other weapons, and we don't see other Far East Asian influence kind of thing. So that's definitely like a late night drinking. Kind of blackout eBay purchase or, right there. Or I have an alternate, alternate, uh, you know, theory about this. Annie seems level-headed. We see her going, you know what? I'm gonna pack up. I'm gonna pack my lunch. I'm gonna pack my, uh, I'm gonna you know pack a box cutter, some glow sticks. Like she see, she seems prepared. She's a Boy Scout. Like she's right. going in there with her shit, right? Mm-hmm. And f- even though we don't meet Dave. We can, we can see Dave's kind of childish. He buys samurai swords. Yeah. He builds like a box fort on the ground. And <laughs> Gee, like, what, what no. makes you think he's childish? <laughs> yeah. And she, she tells him, no, don't buy the samurai swords. And, and he's like, you know what? I'm buying the samurai swords. Mm-hmm. You know, With her yeah. money, obviously, because if you buy, if you build a fort that big out of cardboard, you don't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could almost probably look around the room and figure out who bought what, like, the antique, uh, yeah, the, 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 the film reels and the antique, uh, phone, yeah, that's probably a Dave thing. Like, the lamp and the plant in the corner, probably Anne, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if it, yeah, if it's practical and has a purpose, that was probably Anne. If it's kind of funky, yeah, that was probably Dave. Yeah. Though I wonder, so we saw, we know Annie thought, had the forethought to bring a box cutter with her, you know, is this kind of, is it Chekhov samurai sword? Are we going to see a larger blade? come into play later as well something to keep an eye on i mean well not not this minute but just kind of for the listener to uh to look forward to uh, yeah I, i'm telling you i haven't seen the movie but i feel like the hobo is going to drop a samurai sword down one of the tunnels or oh my the, god uh, chimneys. oh yeah that'd be so cool yeah send it down one of the chimney exhaust pipe cardboard tube paper oh, towel tube things. i would i honestly would love that yeah yeah um so uh, yeah, so yeah, so Leonard then decides, oh, I'll go in the, the, the I'm gonna go in the maze too, like for whatever reason. The, the hobo just, I, I, the hobo, like the look he gives is like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm, I, I, I was like, just like eight, ten people in there now. Like, I, sure, why not? Add another. Well, you gotta think, this is the first time in probably a while that he sat in a room that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. need to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> But let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you guys a question because this is this. It seems to us that this is uh, messing with time and size. Mm-hmm. Say you have a little gold nugget and you drop it down a chimney, and they put this gold nugget in their backpack. Does it grow as they come out of the maze? Ha! <laughs> Oof! Yeah. yeah, I don't know. See, that's I, a good question. Yeah, it's like. I... <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I'm always curious if it, it changes its size respective to where their POV is. Like, you drop it down a chimney, it's only the size of a quarter. That it will then, you'll, you'll hear something fall from so far high. Bing, 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 and then a quarter-sized nugget will then fall on the ground. Like, and then you'll take it outside and it will also be a nu- you know, you and then the nugget will also be respectable to your size they were. 
Like that's how I think it is. Yeah, I feel like there's some conservation. So it would when you when you drop it into the labyrinth or the maze, it would shrink because the maze looks bigger. But then when you take it out, it would like whatever happens when you go in that just gets undone when you come out. So you're going to end up with the same amount of gold you started with. Yeah, I, I figured. I figured I'd throw it out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, no, it's worth a thought. You know, probably worth experimenting to see that, like if there's some kind of loophole you can, you know, utilize the maze powers for get rich quick, baby. There you go. It's <laughs> all any American wants. There you <laughs> go. Although, I mean, if just if they're in in a large city, just the just the the rental space, like this guy has one, you know, the this one apartment. I guess the, is, I guess Anne's the roommate that. uh you know, Dave and Ann live in this one apartment, but now they can sublet it to many other people. Yeah. There you go. Just become landlords and just <laughs> yeah, rent out the rich. maze. Here, tie the rope on. Uh, tie the <laughs> rope on your waist and tie it to the radiator. And then when you want to leave in the morning, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And Leonard's another one. We, we saw it in minute 15. Like, they're just, no one's tying the rope around the waist or leaving a breadcrumbs or whatever. They're just diving right into that maze. I, I would have definitely left breadcrumbs. But on the other hand, Annie is in there with a, a camera crew. So if they're recording everything, they could just watch the film yeah. to see where they turn. They make their turns. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I assume at this point it's it's video. It's not actual film that has to be developed so they can just play it back whenever right. they need to. So uh, since we cut to the, you know, if we're now inside the maze with Anne, no one else is freaking out about the alive origami. Like, every, like I said, we have Harry and his crew. They're just so infatuated with with filming her, you know, talk about the maze. When she's like, oh, my God, like this like, origami is alive right now. Like, yeah. Harry completely ignores it. And it just flies away. It just goes, whoop. Well, maybe it's the fact they were standing outside a four-foot-tall maze, and then they went into it. It's a cavernous maze. And at that point, you just – and then they've already seen a, a, a face with eyes that move where you go, whoop. Nothing's weird to me now. Yeah, it's um, it's like uh, it's almost like uh, it's like annihilation. They went in with Natalie Portman and the ladies, mm-hmm. the, the scientists, yeah. and they're like everything we know about science and and math and everything. It's it, nothing's working. Yeah, it's 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 playing off of its own rules. Right. Uh, it's it's like eating a it's like eating a, a pizza, like the best pizza you've ever had. Mm-hmm. After four or five of those pizzas, you just go, well, it's it's pizza. You know, it's like. Well, I'm going to move on. So after four or five weird things happen, you probably just go, "Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I expect weird shit to happen the rest of the yeah. day. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> but I, I do. Yeah, I, I like the characters like Anne that like recognize, oh, like this is something weird, something different's happening, something not normal here. I mean, we're going to move on. We're not going to complete freak out because that doesn't advance the plot. But at least recognize, at least have the look on her face like, this is not normal. This is not something we see every day. I feel like she's, she's more relatable than, than some of these other characters. And there, there is a certain, I mean, I think these other characters say something like the camera crew, you know, the director, Harry, um, I, you know, he seems to be in charge, you know, of, of this crew and they're his crew. Like, of course, he's just focused on, he's, he's like Rita in, in Groundhog Day. He just wants to know where to put the camera. You know, he just yeah. wants the shot. So he's he, he's just not gonna. He's just he's his focus is very narrow. 
So he doesn't notice these other things because he's, you know, he's working on a docu- documentary. He wants the talking head. He wants, all right, Anne, you know, you sit here and, and what are you thinking and what are you feeling? And, you know, you give your reaction to all these things that are happening around you. He's not noticing those things directly. He's, you know, he's getting at them indirectly through the the interviews that he's going to do for his documentary kind of thing. Yeah, he's 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 the Rita. I, I, I also like I also I'm kind of cheesed off of Harry because like this is also slowing down their progress. You know, Dave's lost in this maze and he wants to document it, but he wants to sit them down and get the light right. Like he's oh, he wants to talk about, oh, do we have a bounce? Can we get the light on them? Can we what does he say? He used the phrases she keys left. Do you have a yeah. bounce? Phil on the other side of her face. So he's trying to make this perfect documentary about it and i think and yeah and is just like overwhelmed with the magic of this maze mm-hmm. and the fact that her friend dave is trapped in here and she's like we gotta get to him like if he's dead then like this will be the worst thing ever to, to, to record yeah so there's there's and and going back to what, what we've said in previous minutes and what i'm sure other other hosts have, have noted as well as 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 a commentary on the filmmaking process that even as a documentary, there's something artificial that like what is happening doesn't match what would happen if the camera crew wasn't there. So like you're, you're, you know, he's not just naturally filming as they run through. And even if he was, they'd probably stop and wait for the camera crew to catch up and that kind of thing. Or the camera would go ahead to get, so it's, you know, you get a shot of them running towards the camera in addition to away and, you know, yeah, if you're if you're actually going through a labyrinth trying to find your lost friend, you're not going to stop to have this heart to heart talk and, and delve into your feelings and and your reactions and everything. No, you're just going to go forward. Yeah. So the very act, you know, it's a little bit of the quantum effect that observing makes the, the very act of making a documentary means what's happening is not natural. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and it's like, if he doesn't like the light here, well, you decide to film underneath this, like, I love that shot <laughs> of that, the uh, the fan that's clearly, like, it gives a real verticality yes. to the scene. It makes it this room even feel bigger, that mm-hmm. somewhere above them is some kind of ventilation fan slowly spinning, and you get that shadow cast. Yeah, yeah, that that was definitely very well thought out on, on several levels. It shows some thought that... I would assume this is something that Dave built into the maze. So he kind of knew this was going to be big and anticipated, well, you got to think about airflow. You don't want to suffocate while you're in there. So you need some kind of something to keep the air moving just from that perspective. And then from the, the filmmaker perspective that, yeah, it has, it really has a great effect on this scene that it's, it's weird. Like I felt claustrophobic, in a large space at the same time. And I know that's a like paradoxical or contradictory. Like I feel we're, we're inside the cardboard, we're inside the maze, but having just the shadow of the swirling fan kind of gives height that we don't see, but we can feel it. It gives height to the space and, and, and emphasizes the idea that this is much larger on the inside than what we've been seeing outside. Yeah, honestly, I'm like watching watching these these minutes when we were inside. I'm creeped out. Like, I'm generally creeped <laughs> out. Like I definitely feel what Anne's like feeling right now. She, she, her mm-hmm. eyes are just wide to everything. Like like whereas I feel like uh, 
Gordon, right? Is it Gordon? Gordon, Gordon is kind of uh, like going along with the flow. Like, you know, he's, he's oh, he's going to interview. Oh no, they want to talk with Anne. Oh, okay, I'll just stand over here. Yeah. Like Gordon's not saying anything. Like you know, we really should kind of wrap this up and go to because she's kind of yeah, she's clearly almost almost shocked to to silence. She's stunned silence. But Gordon sees level head enough. He should be like, guys, can we just kind of like record while we walk and talk and try to like figure out where Dave is? Um, you know, because that was the first thing Anne said going into the maze. She was yelling for Dave, you know, whereas everyone else was, you know, oh, amazed. And they're obviously the others ran off that we haven't seen them since, you know, at least we haven't. I don't know about that. You know, the other uh, listener may have heard them in another minute. But for us, we're stuck in the maze. We haven't seen where Greg and Bryn went, where those Finnish uh, tourists. The, the tourists. Yeah, we've gotten kind of the group is, is set up. Just a, a, a quick aside. I don't know if you guys have anything on this. Like, what the Gordon shirt? You mentioned Gordon. Speaking of Gordon, his T-shirt. Do you is there like is that a, a video game character? Do you recognize what's going on there, or is that just some random thing? Yeah, I don't recognize a video. Jay, do you recognize? Is it any kind of band shirt or anything? Uh, what? Uh, what second? Um, probably the best view is a second thirty-eight. You see Gordon standing next to Anne. You get it. It's like a. It looks like a like a sixteen bit or eight bit video game character, like carrying a sword and running. But I don't know if this if it's you know is this something they just made for the movie or is that like an established character? I think I think it's something they made for the movie. It's definitely. Okay. Uh, let me zoom in here. Yeah, okay. it doesn't recognize. I don't recognize it. Any video game character. It looks like he's got cowboy boots on. Yeah. And he's holding yeah. either a bread. It doesn't look like a sword so much as it looks like a loaf of bread or a corn on the cob, <laughs> and like yeah. a carrot in his other hand. Like if that's what it looks like to me. There, yeah, there's, there's, and and maybe it's kind of part of a metaphor for this this movie as a whole, where it's like he's wearing cowboy boots, but the rest of his outfit looks futuristic or like a space, you know, like almost like a Star Trek or um, Buck Rogers type outfit. Yeah. But then, like he's—I don't know—he's carrying. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, Probably it looks like a, a like a long loaf of Italian bread or a sword or gauntlets. Like it's—he's Western, but space, but medieval. There's like a lot going on there. My ge- my best guess would be it's an obscure literary reference. There you that, go. Yeah, that's that's my best. You can't guess. go wrong with obscure literary yeah, reference because. You like watching these these minutes, like you see these like obscure things, and the very it, everything seems very detail oriented, you know. So mm-hmm. there's a purpose, and I'm not a I'm not a, a guy who finds a purpose in everything, but I feel a lot of this stuff there's a purpose in all of it, you know. The, like the director, like whether he wanted to put it in there or it's like accidental, like pays an homage to something. But I feel like I feel like everything's thought out. Like you guys said, like the like you see the maturity and like the wall color and the plant and everything, and then you see the immaturity of having samurai swords on the wall. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's very it's very like uh, mature and immature, like living in the same apartment. I, I I'm actually kind of curious w- watching th- this moment. Uh, what this director's feeling is on a lot of um, cheaper action movie productions, like a lot of the ones you watch on Mystery Science Theater and Riff Tracks, mm-hmm. where they they don't have a set. They don't have any budget for a set. So it's usually filmed in a warehouse. And to make the architecture, they'll use like cardboard boxes where like it's people just walking down hallways of cardboard boxes and then they'll like they'll punch each other or blast through. Them. And it's like, dude, it's just empty cardboard boxes like. I'm the audience member. I can see it. Your characters are reacting to it as if it's a cardboard box. Like, 
There's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, it looks, it looks like cheesy. And then here he is, he has this whole thing, this maze made up of cardboard boxes, but it looks so well made. He could have cheaped out and just had cardboard boxes as his walls. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It looks like, it looks like really good architecture of having, you know, texture and different sizes of cardboard boxes and different colors of them. Yeah, yeah. Kinda... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jay. Do you think, like, just going back to minute 15 and uh, minute uh, 12, 12, do you think that craft services was the pizza that they ordered in the beginning <laughs> of the film? Like, do you think that was the craft? Look, guys, I can't. It is a low budget film. I can't be paying you. But uh, we'll work craft services into the film. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The budget. But, he, but once again, I wouldn't have ordered the, the, the works pizza. I would like, <laughs> we're getting cheese pizza, and that's the end of the discussion. Yeah, I got thirteen ninety five. I don't have fifteen ninety five. Come on, guys. Yeah, right. right. Like, there's a deal. It's nine dollars a pie if I get three cheese. So I think that's our best <laughs> chance. Sorry, sorry. What were you saying, Sean? What was I going to say? Oh yeah, yeah. So that the, just the point about how it's like obviously they they put a lot of work into giving it a certain look um, makes me think of South Park, where the the animation style has a certain primitive nature and it kind of it, it it it's supposed to look like it's just things cut out of colored paper yeah but if you've ever you know if you've done any of the if you looked at any of the behind the scenes or how it's made that's like breaking cutting edge technology all the latest computer computer animation just like 21st century technology that all goes into making it look so primitive yeah, and that kind of reminds me of what's going here. That obviously they, a lot of care and work and time and, and effort went into making it look like just a bunch of cardboard. But when you look deep, like it's obviously not just a bunch of cardboard. It isn't. Um, yeah, it, it isn't cheap or sloppy. That obviously the, the attention to detail was there to give it a certain kind of look. Right. They didn't just post, they didn't open up boxes and post it there. They have, uh, you know, they have square support beams. They yeah, have, yeah. Um, There's uh, buttresses. Like yeah. A fan. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they, they walk through it and they they give it chimneys and the chimneys aren't just pipes. They have the they have the flanges on top. So when the air comes out, you know, so they put a lot of effort into making this film. Yeah, and, and and the folks will discuss it other minutes. Oh, you know, we don't get too much of the maze. It's it's this minute. It's mostly uh, they're they're sitting in this one, I don't know, room or cavern or opening with with Anne and Gordon interacting with um, with the film crew. But I think I'll I'll use that point to jump off on kind of my thoughts on what's going on and what's this movie about in, in a larger message message. And I think the the maze is a metaphor for any project that you take on kind of any large project that you dedicate yourself to, it can become like a, a labyrinth and it can kind of take on a life of its own and, and things grow. And the larger the project, it's going to affect you, you know, your friends and family, the people around you that are supporting you as you're going on this quest to achieve whatever the end is, whatever you're trying to build. Um, and a lot of times it, you don't always end up, where you know it doesn't end the way you thought it would, and there's twists and turns along the way, and um, you know it can become you can kind of get lost in your work, lost in a project, and I think we got a little bit of that earlier on. And I'll admit I I cheated a bit. 
I I have seen the movie. You son of a bitch! <laughs> Dave, let's go, Sean. No, I yeah. So we'll I did. It, we'll put him in the maze. Um, <laughs> so this is you know I I I I guessed. I kind of pieced together some of the hints that that Robert Black put out there, and I was able to figure out what the movie was. Uh, now for our previous minutes, I I watched just the minutes that we were assigned, and I took my notes, and that's kind of when we talked previously. I was just going off of what I had noted without seeing the whole movie. But uh, having seen the whole thing now, I kind of see it kind of made me think of, um, you know, a, a project like doing a podcast and covering a, a movie one minute at a time where you you have your plans and your preparation and what you think is going to happen. And you kind of hope you'll make it to the end that you can say, you know, you have that achievement. I started it and I finished it and everything. But it, it can kind of take a life of its own and you can get lost in it. You can drag people in there with you and it kind of it kind of can follow this kind of path of what we're seeing with Dave and and his friends and, and what's going on with with the maze here. You know, cause that, so that's, that's where I thought, that's what I thought, that's what the message, kind of the movie that, that I was getting from, you know, from the movie and kind of what the maze started meaning to me. I like, no, I, I like that because it's, it's, um, especially now with, I feel like there's a lot more, like with, with, um, projects like Kickstarter and Patreon, how mm-hmm. it's no longer just the creator and, the the audience now it's becoming more of a collaborative effort and i think that does muddle some things whereas some projects they could be a collaborative effort uh whether it be maybe something with a social reasoning or a political reason where you want the people to focus on sometimes mm-hmm. yeah when it's a when it's a form of media like it's a it's a movie it's a it's a song it's a game um uh, sometimes i do get nervous when they're like oh we want people's effort it's like well i understand you want people's input but there's a there's a there's a there's a point where it's like no dude this is your project and I rather just I rather just you make the project you sell me on the project and I give you the money when the project's over rather than it be this whole you know give me you know like you know give uh, some money now and you can get in early and then you can help the development team of making the thing the project I don't like that because I think you find yourself in a maze like that. Where, right. where now you yeah. have a million people who it's free for them to now voice their opinions to you and to and and to the creator. It's like, oh, I gotta get this all done, or else the game or the movie or the the thing is not gonna, or or, or you know, this artwork's not gonna be uh, perfect now, and then it, it turns into appeasing a, a lot of people rather than make it to appease yourself and that you feel as comfortable giving to people. I hope I, yeah. I'm getting that point across. Where it's a lot of times, yeah, when I just see stuff, it's like, oh, it's early access, and if you pay now, you can get to help. You know, developers know what you think about it. It's like, no, like, no, just make well, make the project. Yeah, to add on to what Dave's saying, if you have a passion project, don't get any input for yourself because it's not going to turn out into something you want it to turn out. It's going to turn out to everybody. You know, this isn't snakes on a plane. This is a passion project. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I love that point. You're so true with with things like Kickstarter and social media that 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 boundary between the creator and the audience gets blurred sometimes. And it's you know it's old news to talk about if you know if you how 
you know, a committee can kind of kill creativity or, or we've seen movies that it's just like, okay, this was obviously created by committee. This was created in a boardroom. There's, you know, they just sucked all the artistic joy out of it. But the same thing can happen even if you're, even if your audience is their fans, they're, they're involved because they're passionate, because they like what you're doing or they like the artist. So they're coming from a different angle than an executive that's just making the decisions out, you know, for budgetary reasons and they're just thinking about money. But the effect can be the same. It's just, yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen can water everything down. And yeah, you got to keep that focus of, yeah. Agreeing with both of you. Yeah. If it, if it's a passion project, keep, keep it on your passion and kind of keep it, you know, keep it to your vision and not let too many people in. And it's like, Oh, sorry. Good Jay. To play a devil's advocate on that. The only real good thing that can come out of that, where, where you, um, where you actually get people's opinions and you see what they want is uh, the word of mouth uh, is people go, look, I had a hand in creating this and they're bringing 10 people to the theater. And then, you know, that people, that person's bringing 10 people. Hey, my buddy, Dave, he helped make this movie, you know? So it's, it's like, it gets people to see your movie, see a movie. It just doesn't get people to see your movie. Yeah. And it's like, right. if you mm-hmm. want to make something, then after you make it, it's like, you got to know your budget and know your scope. You, you put that project out there. Then you could do the postmortem, the criticism of what people liked and what people didn't like. And you're like, all right, well, I want to advance this this project. You, you make yourself a sequel or you make yourself a spiritual sequel to that, whatever it may be, a movie, a song, an album, a game. And then you can now take that criticism, both good and bad, and then you can make a, pro, a, a project worth um, – you know, worth expanding upon. Whereas you're trying to make, you're trying to make the game. I, I keep saying, get back to the game, because I do, I do, I do, I do a lot of kickstarting of board games. I do a lot of like looking at early access uh, board games and video games and stuff. So it's like, I, that's like my go to example. But it's like, they try to make the game and its sequel within the one project. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they lose scope. And then you'll hear the horror story where it's just like, they, their funding got so out of whack. They hired a hundred people. They couldn't pay a hundred people. To make something for uh, for five years, it's impossible, and then yeah. stuff falls well, apart. What, well, that's what they did. Uh, that's what I feel like they did uh, with the movie. Uh, uh, not to get too off topic, uh, the Predator. They when when they signed on to do the Predator, they go, "All right, we need uh, Predator two and three. And you're like, "Shane, but Shane Black doesn't want to make all that. Just make a good movie, not yeah, not mm-hmm. like a not, yeah, you know, yeah." And you're like, "Shit." I got a shitty movie because the, they're like, all right, we need to set this up for Predator two and three. Yeah, it's it's oh man, that's it's, it's it's a shame because that first Predator film is so good. Uh, it like one half of you is like it's a perfect movie. It it doesn't need a sequel. The other half is like, oh, I want I want more. And you know, and you have those two conflict, and then the the person that wants a sequel adds in a bunch of malarkey and then they get the committee and then it's like, well, it should be more of a comedy, but we should also have this in and have, you know, have more characters, make more jokes. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, that being said, I really hope all the listeners tune into Dave made a maze podcast by the minute, because that's what we're supposed to be talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. But I hope, you know, I hope everyone listens and enjoys every single minute, uh, especially uh, this minute. And uh, and I hope uh, you know everybody enjoyed the movie for this guy who obviously made a project that you know was unheard of and bizarre from what the three minutes I've watched. But I'm very intrigued, and that's the good part. Is that I'm, in no way am I turned off to be like, ugh, 
this was a slug. I'm actually like going like I think I could just rent and watch this tonight. Like just yeah. just now that I'm I know. Very interested. Yeah. Uh, I really want to see where Anne and Gordon and the crew go, and if we're, I want to know what's going to happen to the Finnish tourists. Yeah. I, I want to know. Yeah, I mean, because already, you know, we, we, we've talked about how this this movie and the filmmaker is obviously a fan of other films and and other things that are we're feeling kind of the, the influence here, and that horror movie trope of the group has been separated. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, we're, we're you know we're not seeing Greg and Bryn, we're not seeing the the Finnish tourists like. Ooh, so what what's going on the other parts of this maze and it doesn't seem like they're getting any closer um you know this group and Ann and Gordon like they're not any closer to finding Dave at this point there's yeah. there's still lots of movie left to go and the the camera crew doesn't care about finding Dave they're there to make a movie right you know obviously yeah. by slowing them down and having them sit down and have Annie hold a sign that says Annie so I yeah, that, I, I'm very curious what that crew, that camera crew, could represent some kind of B movie documentary that's trying to record the project as the project's being recorded, and it's just like how unnecessary it feels because you know we're in the present making this thing, and her, they, they, they put the camera on, and she's like, we're in the maze, we're trying to find Dave, and then they're like, oh, hold on, we'll get to that. It's like, well, what else are we supposed to be talking about, man? Like, yeah, like we're trying we to get Dave. About? Oh boy. Um, so, uh, that's, I, I think we're clearly at the end of our, our minutes. Uh, is there any other last thoughts we have here? No. Nope. I'm yeah. Good. Just that this is a, a, a wacky, weird, intense at, at certain times movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been a very strange experience to do kind of three minutes of, of something we, we haven't seen or we started out not having seen. And, uh, you know, I hope the other, you know, the other hosts are enjoying it as much as, as we have. Yeah. And I hope the listeners are enjoying it as well. Yeah. Uh, tune, yeah. Tune in to the next hosts. And uh, and uh, I'm going to have to take I want to take a listen. I want to watch this. I'm going to check this out. So, uh, yeah. So, Jay, for, for the listeners, uh, let them know where they can find you. Um, uh, I'll be posting again more podcasts from Whole Wheat Costa. That's Whole Wheat, C-O-S-T-A. Uh, you can catch me on iTunes and YouTube and Spotify. Uh, Dave? Uh, yeah, you can find me over at 5 Minutes of Mystery. I'm talking about mystery men, and uh, and then sometimes I have discussions with Dave where I talk about other stuff. I talk about board games and video games and other little little pop culture things. Sean? Yeah, and uh, so I did uh, Groundhog Minute, where I talked about Groundhog Day one minute at a time with, with Dave Palace, and I did Spinal Tap Minute. I've got five minutes of, of mime. I do lots of things. I do guest appearances. I was on the, the five minutes of mystery show, which I, which I really enjoyed and I think was um, probably the best episode of that, of that show. Um, it's up there. You know. <laughs> it's, like, it's neck and neck with Crystal. I'm, I'm kidding. I, I did okay. I think it's worth the Crystal one. Yeah, was, was really good as well. So, and, and there's, there's, there's. Hey, who did the intro? Oh yeah, who did, who and, was the pilot episode? Who helped? Uh, who did that? Who did that pilot episode? That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a great show. But you can you know you can find all my shows and guest appearances and everything if you go to catandshawn.org and it's cat c a t sean s e a n and and a n d in the middle dot org. So so yeah, catandshawn.org. You can that links to all my my podcast stuff and uh, you know. I don't know. Just Google Robert Black, 
and you'll you'll find what what he's up to. <laughs> do, do not Google Robert Black. He's just, a Scottish Just do a web killer. search for Robert Black, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. And and then if you're and then come back for a minute twenty. Being on this podcast uh, in between recordings, I actually went to go buy uh, more deadbolts for all my doors because yeah. Robert Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Robert Black coming in. No, no, no more minutes, Robert Black. No. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, until next time, uh, we can't wait to see you around the cardboard corner. And then I can probably disarm all the traps, and then we can, we can finish this maze! Who is with me? That was Sean German and Dave Pallas from Groundhog Minute, along with James Costa of Holy Costa, taking on Minute 22 of Dave Made a Maze. <laughs> Forgot to put that in the script. <laughs> They might never be back again. Next time on Dave Made a Minute, we've got Tierney Still Callahan and Mark Carlucci of Return to Oz Minute taking on Minute 23. Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by The Equals, featured in the film Dave Made a Maze, and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening. As long as we're all working together, this is going to be fine. It's going to be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what? <laughs>